Welcome to The Defiant Spirit, a podcast about meaning, purpose, and resilience. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, also known as B, and now let's discover your Defiant Spirit. So here we are, Valentine's Day is ahead of us, or maybe it's behind us. Whenever it is, we have a lot to talk about, to work through when it comes to Valentine's Day and our understanding of love and what it means to be a soulmate, to have a soulmate, what is soulmate love? Welcome back to the Nine Lives Podcast. I'm Baruch Levy, also known as B, and here with Rebecca Rosen. So great to be here. Can't wait to talk about soulmates. This is something clients come to me all the time, curious to understand. So, so soulmate love, or maybe we get into what it is or maybe what it isn't. Yeah, you know, I would love to start by just saying that I think there's a big misconception that this fantasy idea of soulmate is only pertains to romantic love. And, you know, for those who have followed me, I talk about soul contracts and our soulmates, okay, fellow soul travelers that journey with us in and out of lifetimes, part of our soul family and soul contracts. A soulmate doesn't have to be romantic. It can be platonic. You're one of my soulmates. Dad was one of my soulmates, okay? Um, Yes, there are romantic soulmates as well, okay? But it's really recognizing that whether it's romantic or not, there is karma that you came together, you're in this lifetime, in relationship to work through heal and balance karma, which is unfinished business from a previous lifetime, okay? Sometimes it's you're creating new karma. You're coming into this lifetime to come together to, you know, create new opportunities, lessons that you're going to work through to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. And your favorite um, movie of all time, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. The worst quote ever is, you complete me. Why? Because nobody completes you. Nobody's your source. God is your source. The divine being, the I am presence within us is our source, right? So the whole idea here is to be whole and complete on your own, wholehearted. You complete you by owning the divinity with you and then finding the equal who embodies that same wholeness, right? So it's one plus one, which equals 11, right? Not half and half. And Ariel and I just did a podcast on this topic as well. We we focused on um, the Adam and Eve story. And, you know, it's not that um, Adam has a soulmate. The Hebrew is Ezer, somebody who um, nurtures, and Konegdo, somebody who challenges. And I think that our society has gotten one half of the equation. The Hallmark Isle portrays, or the I call it the Nicholas Sparks version right. of soulmates, which is, or the Jerry Maguire, you complete me, you nurture me, you therefore are my soulmate, versus no, you actually challenge me, you make me grow or help me to grow, as you're talking about, um, and that it isn't a one-size-fits-all where we are in life, who we meet in life, that presents to us the opportunity of soulmates. Correct. You know, our soulmates can be our greatest polishing stones. And that through contrast in this 3D world, we need that challenge, that contrast, because when you know what you don't want, you get clear on what you do want. And that's where the growth comes from. Um, Not to confuse things, but there is a concept known as twin flames. 
And a twin flame is truly another, it's the same soul divided in two. And twin flames are really challenging, okay? Even though it's a deep passion and love way beyond a soulmate, it's also deep, you know, challenge. I mean, these can be some of the hardest relationships, the love-hate. and But, you know, that is part of that yin-yang energy to find that balance. And so there's a whole other level of that. And I get this question, um, you know, as those of you watching are probably aware, Rebecca and I created Nine Lives, the spirit of the Enneagram, where this picture behind me, or if you're not watching you're listening a picture of the enneagram is a circle with nine fundamental energies or soul contracts as we like to think about them but i I get asked all the time like what's my perfect number for not not for me but for my partner for my soulmate Mm. and that's no different than saying that there is one size fits all there's one soulmate for you that's not true these are nine patterns and energies and pathways and again different times different people for different reasons enter our lives and we enter their life exactly you know we come together with the people who mirror back to us the work we still have to do the lessons we still need to learn Mm -hmm. you know it's like with astrology and horoscope signs and who's compatible and who's not the same this is the same thing mm-hmm. and so it, at this point in my journey i'm with my husband because we have very similar childhood wounds and lessons and work that we're working on and so he's the perfect person for me and me for him to be doing that whereas in my first marriage it was a very it was a different set of lessons mm-hmm. and they're wired very differently and so one's not better or worse it's just different it just is and so it's really looking at it in a through a lens of um, neutrality and not judgment, good, bad, right, or wrong. And, and right? to your language from your most um, recent book, you have so many books I can never remember. What's it called? My, what's, what's your habit? Um, that it's, think of it like um, school, right? There's no one course of study there's no one class you got to do all these things to graduate and if you just take math all day every day you're going to be you know like a geek you're going to have to have some well-rounded by taking some art and vice versa and so each person who enters our life is like a particular classroom that's that's right and so it's really um just asking your higher self asking spirit okay what is this here to teach me? Not why is this happening to me or why does he frustrate me or she, you know, this or that. It's instead saying, okay, why is this here and what is it here to teach me? Mm-hmm. And um, a teacher of mine, her name is Edith Eager. She's a Holocaust survivor and a, um, a logotherapist. I'm a logotherapist. Anyway, she talks about the difference between being a victim and a survivor. And she said this coming out of the Holocaust is a victim says, why me? And we're all victims at times. We all do this. And a survivor says, now what? And as opposed to saying, why me? Is this soulmate in my life? And why can't I have another one? Say, now what? Now what do I do that they're here? Because our dad didn't always do that. In many ways, he ran away from his classroom, you know, uh, completing suicide, leaving this world, as opposed to saying, okay, it's not what I wanted. It's not the classroom I would have thought I would have designed for myself, but it's obviously the one I got, so it's the one I need. Now what? Exactly. How do I grow and evolve as a spiritual being having this human experience, right? That's the question. And that takes us out of victim into this very empowered state. And when we do that, 
that's where divine intervention comes in. That's where our little limited ego self kind of steps aside and makes space for our higher self and our team and spirit to step in and give us grace. And when we have that grace, we can understand the why, mm -hmm. right? And we're shown the how. And I always say, just say, show me next steps. You don't need to know A to Z. You just need to know A to B and then B to C. Okay, spirit. Okay, higher self. Show me how to navigate my way in this relationship or with this challenge mm -hmm. in a meaningful way so that I learn my soul's lesson and that the highest good for both involved or all involved comes about. That's how you clear, heal, and balance karma. Because at the end of the day, that's why we're here, right? Mm -hmm. So that we can move forward with grace, ease, joy, enjoy each other, enjoy our relationship, and not constant pain, suffering, and struggle. Oh. Or a lot, what a lot of people do is they just run away. So they either divorce or they keep, and then they, but wherever you go, there you are. You're, the universe will bring back another relationship or situation if you haven't learned the lessons and healed and balanced the karma. And so maybe though, you are supposed to end break up or divorce, but never do it be, until you've done your work. Mm -hmm. And once you've done your work, then maybe you decide to part ways and that's okay. Because then you'll move on to a new set of lessons that are hopefully easier and you won't have to repeat the same lesson or pattern again and again. And so the work that you do, the work that we do together now with the Enneagram is helping people graduate from school so that you can, you know, maybe you want to go on for a master's degree or maybe you say, hey, that's not for me. I want to go this route, but you're not running from, you're moving towards. Right. And, and so where I do love the Enneagram, and I think you've come to love it too, is that it offers us some very practical hows. I think of it in some ways now as we're talking it through as, well, if I have to take math, what's the curriculum in that math class? If I have to take art, what's the curriculum in that? And so the Enneagram presents nine fundamental classes, if you will, or potential um, manuals for that particular soulmate that has now entered your life. Because I can't, very few people are, are, are experts at math and art and music and PE and all these things. And so we need, I won't say cheat sheets, but we need a roadmap yeah. for how to navigate. Well, yes, and we need to first know thyself. You have to know your Enneagram dominant mm -hmm. type mm -hmm. so that you then know how to communicate to your partner what you need. I've been working on this in my relationship. And one of my things, and I think a lot of people out there can relate to this, especially those who have a two, which I have a lot of two in me, even though I'm a nine, um, how do I hold my center? Mm -hmm. How do I hold my boundaries so I don't lose myself and my partner? Because I'm a people pleaser and I'm a giver, mm -hmm. caregiver. So how do I know myself so well, my shadows and my strengths, mm -hmm. my light, so that I can then be responsible? That's on me to communicate that to my partner. Mm -hmm. And then right and so that partner needs to know their self so it's really great if when you're in a relationship if you both take the enneagram typing test and then you did this for me in when my relationship years ago mm -hmm. right and you're like here's what you need to feel seen and heard and safe and mm -hmm. here's what he needs and it's like a love language yeah and you could see from the other person's perspective which is intimacy intimacy to see and to be seen and and that's how you get to true intimacy and again not in just eros erotic 
um, sexual partners, but in all your relationships. And so you have this quick reference. And, and by the way, we offer um, the assessment in our program, Nine Lives. And so you figure out yourself and then you begin to figure out your soulmate, mm-hmm. that particular soulmate. And then you don't have to complete each other. You help each other complete themselves. Exactly. And it's about doing the work individually, mm-hmm. and then you can do it together as a couple. It's a very powerful roadmap and, and tool. I refer back to my husband's chart all the time when I'm trying to figure out how do I communicate this into in a way that he will fully receive it. And every time I go back to his Enneagram, the mm-hmm. book you did, mm-hmm. and I do it, it works. It's magic. And and so it's it's... Yeah, it's just another tool. So let's, you know, in the time we have, we're not going to be here all day. Let's maybe just go around the nine and talk about what do they need to be seen? You know, if it's your type, what do you need so that you can feel seen? And if it's their type, what do they need to be seen? Because really, again, intimacy and soulmates, and this gives you a way to understand from their vantage point, not just you looking at them or you assuming that they're like you. Right. Yeah. So let's start with nine. Okay. There's no wrong way to start, but oftentimes yeah. I like to start at nine because it's at the top. So if you see behind me, the peacemaker, we call the unity seeker, yes. right? So what is it? Well, this is your core, you know, go-to strategy. And as I always say, it's not who you are. You're not a number. You're a divine spirit. I call it the defiant spirit. But this is where you go when you're both reacting and when you're responding, your high side and your low side. So maybe what is a nine grappling with? Well, nine you know, for me, for any peacemaker, is all about we avoid confrontation. We want harmony, unity, peace. I mean, this truly is the heavenly realm. When I talk about the 5D energies, this is a nine. Okay, so my comfort zone is living in harmony, grace, ease, the opposite of the 3D earth realm, which Mm. is why we tend to dissociate and we go away because it's not, it doesn't feel safe because there is duality and contrast, but that is where our real growth opportunity is. And so, you know, that's the shadow side is when we try and dissociate, avoid and avoid conflict or we swallow our truth. You know, we don't have the courage to speak up and out and feel safe to be seen and heard. So it's really coming back to finding the courage um, to communicate your heart's truth, your needs, your desires Mm -hmm. um, in a way that, you know, you feel the other person will then be able to, you give them an opportunity, but that's our responsibility. And I'll play the other side of being in relationship because you've been one of my soulmates for, I won't say how many years, um, but a long time. And... I can tell you from my vantage point, and also my daughter's a nine, and I just have so many wonderful nines in my life. And as an eight, and we'll get there, it's not organic or natural to me to do this, but I've had to learn to bring down the intensity when entering into your realm and your space. Because as an empath or as somebody who's sensitive to their circumstances, especially the conflict stuff, you become the turtle. Right. Yes. Pull into the shell, retreat, retract, go away. And so you don't go head to head. It doesn't mean you don't challenge. You know, I know you want and need, as we all do, challenge. 
It's how I go about it. Right. And one of my daughters is an eight and I just go head to head with her and she's like, yeah, she feels that. One of my daughters is a nine, go head to head, she disappears forever. That's right. That's, and I'm also astrology wise, I'm a cancer sign and I go into my crab shell. Mm -hmm. So it's, that is, so it's figuring out there again, love language and how do I communicate in a way that won't feel threatening, but it feels safe so that they will open Mm -hmm. and some productive conversation and connection can happen. And be willing to challenge the nine because the nine is oftentimes told they're the easy boy, the easy girl. And that's a mixed bag, right? Because just because you're easy doesn't mean you're always resilient or strong or getting your needs met, like you said. And so helping them find their voice and exercise that voice, making room, space for them to have that voice. That's right. So that's the nine. Enneagram one, moving around the reformer traditionally, but we call it the integrity seeker. Maybe I'll take this side of it and you can talk about being in relationship with the one. So Enneagram one, we need to feel seen. We need structure. We need predictability. We, uh, us and the fives, we don't like surprises per se. We are we are conservative with a you know small C, not politically, but um, I see this with a lot of ones. You know, you got to move in slowly before you hug them, right? They they have their space, their boundaries. It's very important that they have those protected. Also, honesty and and um, integrity. That's what we call it. the integrity seeker is so important for a one. They're the if nines are the easy boys and easy girls, ones are the good boys and the good girls. Mm-hmm. And so, really understanding they have an inner critic that chastises them all day long that they're not good. And so being being very mindful not to get into that critique and critiquing them. Yeah, and really with the ones, it's um, being a lot of times we can be judgmental if we're one and go we go into this place of judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's again that really duality of right, wrong, good, bad. Judgment is self, but mm-hmm. also judgment of others. Yeah. And what I have found with ones is that um, they go into this perfectionist state like if things are in a perfect way or a way that they think or judge or perceive in their opinion should it should be right that's hard to be in relationship with and it's all or nothing yeah and so what i've learned from spirit it's it's never black or white the shades of gray and you know mom is the one who drilled that into (laughs) our head shades of gray because she was married to a one that's exactly yeah and it's a hard to be in relationship with the one when it has to be their way or the highway and and so um, forgiveness is another piece. Yes. You know, one needs to be able to forgive themselves because if they don't, it's like it's drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm-hmm. No, it's only toxic for yourself. As they say, love is forgiving. Love is for giving. Yes. And so you give it. And, and really for ones, it's opening their hands and letting go of control and just giving, giving grace, giving love and giving that to them. And so if your uh, soulmate is a one, just going above and beyond, even if they don't deserve it, or if they're, you know, the one who initiated the, the, the challenge, just to give them grace, because they have so much critic enough for all of us combined. So Enneagram 2, the intimacy seeker, the helper traditionally, you want to start with that one since yeah. you have a lot of two in you? Yeah, I have a lot of two. And I think a lot of my clients have a lot of two. And nine. And nine, of course we do. Like a tracks like. Um, but th- this is all about the caregiver archetype. And it's about sometimes the people pleaser and putting other people's needs before your own. Because you have such a big heart. And in, in, in a healthy state, you are here truly to be of service to others. 
to lift them up, to nurture them. Um, and so, but the key here is all about the balance of giving and receiving. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I notice I give and give and give, but then I'm resentful, I'm not receiving, but I haven't made space to allow my partner to give. Or I don't feel comfortable, it's not safe, because I might feel rejected or abandoned. Or a big one is, because a two has spent so much of her time giving, she's never actually thought about her needs. Oftentimes yeah. twos don't even know, if you ask them what they need, they're like, I don't know, like this is a question I've never had time. I have a spouse, I have children, yeah. I have responsibilities. My needs, I don't know. And that's the, the self-forgetting and self-betrayal that happens. And so so being in relationship with somebody who's a two, since I have a mother who's a two and you have a lot of two, and I, a lot of my clients are twos, is to help, to, first of all, not to use them. It's very easy to use a two because they encourage it. Grandma Flo, our grandmother, was a two. Mm -hmm. And she just encouraged being used right, to do the dishes and to be the giver and all that. And I remember on her birthday, it was her 95th birthday or something yeah. like that, she was doing the dishes on her 95th birthday, which on the one hand is beautiful, and everybody says, oh, that's so amazing, so we're reinforcing that, but maybe we should have been saying, that's not so amazing, sit down and have your cake. Right, right, feel loved, cherished, and adored, and allow us, you know, allow yourself to receive that gift. Right. So that is, I think, um, spotting it, and then asserting or insisting in a loving but direct way because we need the balance mm -hmm. to be balanced spiritual human. And we need you twos to receive the gifts that we have because otherwise it's not a sustainable or reciprocal energy exchange. Right. And it becomes lopsided. So if you are a two, thinking of receiving as an act of giving. You're giving love by taking this present, by, by receiving whatever it is your partner or whomever wants to give to you, and that's an act of love. And one more thing, that's also giving your partner the gift of giving because that's their soul contract. And that's their You're soul giving contract. them the opportunity to do their work. So you receiving is the greatest gift you can give them. And saying no as a two is an act of love. Yes. I'll leave you with that. We have a lot about that in our um, ebook for the Nine Lives program. Okay, Enneagram 3, the achiever, the manifestation, manifestation seeker. Tell us about them. So this is all about, like, these are the movers and shakers. And in a relationship, you know, this can be a very powerful force to be with a 3 when they're healthy and they're in that creative genius, um, you know, creator, achiever. Um, they set their mind to something and then they make it happen. And you can feel very taken care of when you're in a relationship with the three. They're the coach, they're the coordinator, all these things. They make stuff happen. And like they walk their talk. And But the unhealthy side is, you know, they can get into their ego and it becomes all about them. And, you know, them and what how it makes them look okay for the wrong reasons right the ego it's you go into competition or comparison or greed or kind of the lower self motivations mm -hmm. which are not pure and and you can feel that sometimes when you're with somebody who's an unhealthy three and if you're in relationship and that's your soulmate as the, the three is your soulmate um really not feeding that drug of choice because, you know, we live in a, a society that just reinforces, oh, you look so pretty, you did so such a good job, right? You are such a winner in a thousand ways. We say it and we just reinforce more and more that you are worthy because of what you do, not because of who you are. That's huge. 
it's not the materialistic, right? Or the portfolio or it's the light within you. Mm -hmm. So it's really about just um, being in relationship with the three and, and creating from that place of light and not shadow. And when you go out into the world as a three, not attracting to you people who reinforce that, but having the courage to be around people for the right reasons. Maybe they don't look how you thought they should look or they don't have the bank account or the cars or all that stuff. But really looking at your curriculum as getting as simplifying as getting humble and getting real. So, Enneagram 4, the... Authenticity seeker. Known as the individualist traditionally or sometimes the romantic. You know, for a 4, it's all about being real, keeping it real. It's like I always say, do you, be you. The universe will bring it, him, her to you, mm -hmm. right? So this is really about just being secure enough in who you are and not, you know, Four sometimes can feel inferior or less than. They need to be special. You know, that's the unhealthy side. But if you're authentically you, mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything. You're vibrating at this energy where people will see your light and see you, and then you can be in an authentic relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the, uh, the two and the four are the Jerry Maguire, you complete me, both of them for different ways. But fours have to stand guard against looking for somebody to complete them. Do you remember the Shell Silverstein book, The Missing Piece? Yes. It's like that partial circle looking for that perfect fit to complete it. And there's always a missing piece for a four. It's always, and it's not just a person, mm -hmm. right? They have to stand guard against making anything into their completion can be a new I mean something constructive like a new form of therapy or the, the, a book or a guru or yes a lover and there's just nothing outside of him or her that will ever bring that it's like it's an inside job it's an you know with fours I always say begin within okay but not from your head from your heart because your truest self your intuitive guidance your truth it's for in your heart not in your head. And the head sometimes with fours can create that downward spiral of negative thinking or depression where they lose themselves. And being in relationship with the fours, your soulmate, I can speak firsthand to this one. It's about, um, it's about seeing them and acknowledging. And if you think you've given to them sort of that validation or that emotion, give some more. Give it freely because they just, um, they feel deeply and they're very incredibly sensitive. Never telling your four, trust me, um, <laughs> that you're too much, right? This is too much because they live their life feeling like too much. Like ones feel too much criticism, fours feel too much desire to connect. And so really never weaponizing that and, and seeing them. Enneagram 5, um, the investigator. Enlightenment seeker. So this is all about when you balance intellect and intuition, okay? Because in a 5, their predominant strength or superpower is their brilliant mind, their knowledge, right? But I would say the one-two punch or spirit says is when you can balance intellect and intuition. So it's head and heart coherence. Okay, not just being heady. And so to be in a relationship, you need both because otherwise it's just a platonic relationship. You need yeah. to be intimate in your heart. I always get, um, when I, I haven't worked with that many fives, but I work with their partners. And what they say about their soulmate who's a five is, I need more heart mm. because, and it's not that fives are cold. 
It's that they forget that living in their head isn't living in real time in the world. And so they think about saying, I love you. They think about the gifts. It's not that they don't. It's just that translating it into reality, taking action and getting out of your head and not only into your heart, but into buying the flowers. Does it make sense? No, because you know what? This actually um, is hurting the environment because you're growing these things. You're cutting them down. Does it even make sense? No, they live for eight days. I could take that money and actually invest it in a long-term retirement fund as an act of love. (laughs) There goes Valentine's Day. Right, right, right. And so like on paper, paper it doesn't add up to a five so that's when you throw the paper out the window exactly and you say but for some reason i just feel this would speak volumes to my partner so follow that's the balance of intellect doesn't make sense on paper but your feelings follow your feelings that's your guidance and meet them halfway meet in the middle and if your soulmate is a five don't surprise them don't go above and beyond they're minimalists they're conservative like the ones so you know no surprise valentine's day and really approaching them from their vantage point where less is more and um not asking them to have this unbelievable Valentine's Day experience. They need time to process and think Well, and maybe instead you meet them where they're at and you have a deep, meaningful, insightful conversation where you can elevate each other's consciousness. Yep. Because in the end, that's what a five's gift is. They can expand and elevate consciousness because that's their gift. And buy your presents for them on February 15th when the sales are on and tell them and they will think that's the most loving thing you've ever done. Enneagram six, the loyalist. The faith seeker. So this is all about let your faith be bigger than your fear. Um, You know, this is about staying in the frequency of light and love and not letting the normal tendency of anxiety and fear and all the frenetic energy on the planet, you know, take you over. Um, So being in a relationship, it's like reassuring, like talking about things that make a six feel safe and secure. And like, you know, again, that like everything's kind of in a neat, tidy package. Mm -hmm. Um, And that loyalty is huge. Like reflecting, mirroring back to a six, like, you know, you're going to be as loyal to them as they are to you on all levels. Absolutely. Loyalty is the deal breaker for sixes. They are the most loyal type. And so, you know, usually they don't get it reciprocated because we can't do it like it's their superpower, but certainly trying and going above and beyond to show that, to demonstrate that. Now, if you are a six, um, knowing that, you know, your soulmate is loyal, maybe it isn't by your standards, but maybe your standards, like all of us and our superpower is a little too much. And so we start getting into sixes. I see this. We start getting into um, projection and then you start playing out worst case scenarios. Maybe they're cheating on And then you start building and reinforcing it. And you create some self-fulfilling prophecies as sixes. So backing off that impossible standard, because we're not you. Well, and overthinking. So they go into a downward spiral, like you said. They cr- then they create the self-fulfilling prophecy because the law of attraction. So I think if you're in relationship with the six, it, it would be amazing to just keep reinforcing through words, through actions, your love for them. They are enough, your loyalty and commitment, right? And not getting annoyed with it. So when, when a client calls me, I now have the Enneagram, so I know if they ask me 50,000 questions about what I do and how I do and how I charge and all this, 
if I, I know there are six, and instead of like getting annoyed by it, I, what they're doing is they're trying to feel safe. Yes. And they're testing me for sincerity or loyalty or consistency, which to them is um, their currency of, of trust and security. And so now I just really embrace that. So if you're in relationship with that six, don't be annoyed by it. They're, they're scared. And when I can see the little boy or the little girl who's just asking a thousand questions to feel safe, that really opens my heart to them. Yeah, it yeah. reassures them. I love it. Enneagram seven, two more before we wrap up, and everybody's actually you know, one more. Seven. Oh yeah. Eight. yeah. So um, everybody's party favorite, the Enneagram uh, seven. You're you're married to a seven. I'm married to a seven. I have a lot of girlfriends who are sevens. The spirited seeker. Um, this is the joy seeker, the adventurous, the life of the party. Who doesn't want to be around that? They're fun. They're easy. They're like sunshiny energy. They make you feel good. Um, you know, but be, uh, being married to one, you know, his mantra right now is be here now because he's had a very negative pattern of avoiding, escaping, running away, not dealing, and that will come back to haunt you. And so it's all about, um, yeah, you want to uplift and shift the energy around you, but you have to be, um, I call it responsible choice. You have to make responsible choices grounded choices, you know, yeah, seven seem to be big thinkers, which is great, but you have to ground that in reality. Mm -hmm. And then you have to be able, um, in that sense, to then be present. Mm -hmm. And then in that, there's authenticity in the light, in the joy, in the life of the party energy you bring. You you hold the power to elevate mm -hmm. your relationship and all those around you. Yeah, that that's why they're called the planners, because it's not the responsibility planning. It's like, you're at um, think, uh, Valentine's Day dinner with your seven, and they're already planning spring break trips at dinner while they're not present in the moment. And so it's to bring it back from those future plans to be present. And it's also not, you know, first we're going to go to a Valentine's Day dinner, then we're going to a Valentine's Day Valentine's Day party, and then we're going to go get Valentine's Day erotica and then have the most amazing night of our life. And it's like, uh, and so yeah. bringing it back, keeping it simple, keeping it real. We don't need to have the wow all the time. In fact, the partners of, of Sevens often say, I don't want wow, I want now. Exactly. And that is so good. Um, but it's also about Sevens get fragmented. And when they're fragmented, they're not really fully there. So when you're with them, you feel lonely or you feel like um, because they're off thinking about the next thing. Mm -hmm. They're not present. And so you you feel a disconnect. Because you're not enough. Yes. Right? It comes down to you're not it enough. It feels like you're not enough. Yes. When it's not you, it's the seven but has they, to bring it back. Exactly. And it's usually because nothing, they feel not enough. Yeah, because nothing in the moment is enough. They're, they leave the moment. And so, right. if, but if you're with a seven and that's your soulmate, right, just really appreciating that they are like water flowing down a mountain, right? They just need to sort of keep moving. So it doesn't mean you have to enable that, but it does recognize that, that they do like the fun stuff. They do like to keep it light. I, I wouldn't send a seven to a heavy, dark movie on on, uh, <laughs> on, uh, on any time of the year, but especially Valentine's Day. That's right. So that's an inside story there. But the bottom line is just appreciate and recognize that I think of them, as I said in our program, they're solar energy. They don't like when the clouds come out. So yeah, have a cloudy conversation, but probably not on Valentine's Day night. Um, <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> Enneagram 8, last and maybe least, uh, the eights, the challenger, I'm a challenger. 
um, the truth seeker in our nine lives system. I'll speak on, you know, as an eight. We come from a place of intensity. It's, you know, think of it as that big scary plug behind your washing machine where you don't know if you should plug this thing in. It's got those big prongs. And if you plug anything else in there, it's gonna fry it. Everybody's scared of that outlet. We need that, we are that outlet. We, we need juice to feel. Um, we move through the world just looking for vitality and things to kind of shake us up. And we like the truth. We like the big macro. Get into trouble when we want it too big, too intense, or we're too truthful. And I think it's an amazing to be in a relationship with an eight because like when you have truth, you know where you stand. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the gateway to a healthy relationship. But, you know, sometimes what I've noticed with eights is it's like the self-righteousness where it's like their way is the way or their truth is the truth with mm -hmm. a capital T. And I always say many paths, one truth. Mm -hmm. You can have your own truth, but in the end, it comes back to the truth with a capital T. And so, um, you know, it's just figuring out that healthy balance. But it's also surrendering uh, my will to thy will. Mm -hmm. So it's like when we started this, it's like, Sometimes the eight is so intense with their passion, power, and purpose mm -hmm. that they interfere or get in the way when it's, you know, again, it's that somewhere in the middle, that balance. Yeah. And, and we're the mavericks. So coming back to soulmates, doesn't make a great partnership, you know, to be with an eight if they're a maverick. By definition, that means go alone. And we're not here to go it alone. We're here to go in partnership. And so if you're an eight, making room for other, making room for your spouse, giving up control on those plans and allowing them to take over, even if they're not perfect, that's what it takes to be in relationship. And if you're in relationship with an eight, um, just knowing that they're scared. They're scared little boys and girls who are just puffing up to overcompensate because they have a very um, delicate heart. And I think it's so important if your soulmate is an eight to see them as a delicate little boy and girl, even if they're walled off behind armor. Well, and as a partner, to give them permission to not always be the most powerful person in the room. Right. They don't always have to take charge and make the plans and make it happen. Absolutely. Give them the gift of saying, like, let's do this together. We're taking over for them. Yes. You sit down, shut exactly. up, and, right. uh, you know, get in the passenger seat, which ain't so easy if you're an eight. And so those are pretty much, I think, um, some nine fundamental ways to navigate Valentine's Day, but any day, every day, as a soulmate, with your soulmate, and remembering all kinds of soulmates. These are just nine fundamental patterns as we all do our work of, um, of growing up and growing in this curriculum called life. Right, and in, in the balance, not only through our intellect and our heads, but through our hearts. So what's our sign-off? <laughs> we are wishing you brightest blessings and all love on this Valentine's Day, but every day. And check out Nine Lives. You'll get more of this if this is interesting to you. Nine Lives, and um, you also get your Enneagram assessment inside of there. Until the next Thank time. you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit DefiantSpirit.org. Until then, take back your power and live your Defiant Spirit.